0: Thanks for listening to a YPC podcast. We believe God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we'd love to hear about it. Take a second to send your story to office at ypcprior.com and enjoy the message today. What's going on, Second Service? Good to see you guys today. Come on, let's give it up for. I don't know why we're giving it up. We're giving it up for something. (laughs) Actually, I just like the feedback. That's what I think I like. I like the feedback. Excited that you guys are with us today, worshiping here on, in person, and for all of you guys who are joining online, welcome. Glad you're a part of our, of our experience this week. This is Memorial Day weekend, so for all of you who are, who are serving or who have served, um, thank you. Thank you. Come on, let's give it up for all of our armed forces <laughs> personnel. Love you guys. You are the reason why, why we are enjoying the freedoms that we enjoy uh, as a country and uh, speaking of our country I don't know if you guys saw the uh, announcements uh, but pe- president trump did come out on a on a, on a news uh, report saying basically a press release. That's the word I'm looking for. Came out on a press release and said that um, that he is opening all the places of worship starting this weekend. Of course, we've been open, but it did it did me good to hear um, that all of the churches are opening up. We're kind of coming back to a little bit more of a normal pace of life again. I know we're still a little bit socially or whatever, physically distanced. We all still have leg room. I'm hoping to put all those chairs back out. I'm hoping that all the people that are worshiping from home, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them come back to church uh, as we we get going. Um, If the online service is working for you, awesome. Um, If not, you should probably come to church. And so we're excited about that. Um, I do know that kids ministry, so Drew and his team are still planning on putting all of the content online for the kids through the month of June as well. So his team is working like double duty. They've got to provide online content. And then next week, they're actually beginning a brand new series in the kids' ministry. So excited about all of that. And again, you heard the guys mention last Wednesday is happening this week. And so we were kind of on the fence on whether or not to do last Wednesday, but we're like, you know what, we're just going to do it. Um, May 31st is the day of Pentecost. And for those of you who know what that is or what that means, um, Pentecost actually was a festival. It was a celebration before um, the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter 2. He just fell on the day of Pentecost. And so that is May 31st, uh, 31st this year for us. And I, I know this, <clears throat> when the apostles were in that upper room, they didn't know what to expect on the day of Pentecost. They just knew to expect something. And in praying for last Wednesday, I really felt the impression from the Lord that he said this. He says, I'm going to do something on last Wednesday that's going to make People forget that they've even come through a pandemic. And so I have no idea what that means. People are like, Pastor, what does that mean? I, I I don't know. But just like the people in Acts chapter two, we didn't know, we didn't know what to expect. We just knew to expect something. And that's what we're doing this Wednesday night. So the doors are open at seven. I encourage everybody who can to be here. We're excited about that. We are in part four of our What Now series. What now? We've just gone through this season. What have we learned about ourselves? What have we learned about human nature? Uh, I don't know uh, if you guys are completely back out into the public or not, but we have uh, kind of started emerging ourselves back out in in the common things. For instance, I got my hair cut first time in like I feel like two months, and uh, I was talking to um, my hair professional. And uh, she was talking about her experience over the last several weeks. Obviously, they closed the salons. And um, she was like, Darian, I know this pandemic's been horrible. And I know, like, a lot of stuff bad has happened. But she says, during the last five weeks, I mean, yes, I miss my clients. But honestly, I really enjoyed after-dinner walks around the neighborhood, She says, I really enjoyed the quality time that I was spending with my kids. Uh, Most of you know that all the sporting events were canceled and different things like that. And she says that her kids are into soccer. And she says, my kids haven't even touched a soccer ball in in the last five weeks. And she says, it's actually been really good for us. They're not going to practices. They're not going to games. She says, we enjoyed conversations around the Bible. Because they were worshiping together online as a family. She says, We got my kids, uh, my daughter's uh, children's Bible out, and we actually started going through different stories in the kids' Bible. Family dinners around the table because all the restaurants were closed. She says, There were no deadlines, there were no schedules, there were no agendas. And she says, Honestly, I. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the time off with my children. Yes, it was a terrible situation, but the the byproduct is we've actually created some new normals in our family that I don't think are going to go away. And I think we would all agree that there is something about the modern pace of our society that can be toxic if we let it. For all of our science, our education, our achievement, our government, our health care, all of which is, is great, modern society still does something to our focus, doesn't it? It does something to our focus. And I think it's, it's more true now than it ever has been. If you are older than 20, then you can remember sitting on a plane and just staring out a window. You can remember waiting at a restaurant and people watching, right? You can remember solving world hunger because you had time to think. You can just remember staring blankly out a window. See, there was something in the late 90s that a lot of you have never experienced. It was called boredom. That's what it was called. It was called boredom. And and I I experienced it in the late, you know, all, all of my life up until about the late 90s or so, this thing called boredom. For us, a snow day, well, we don't really get snow days in Oklahoma. We get ice days. That's what we get. We call them snow days. I think we're hopeful that it'll actually snow. But what we normally get is ice days. But I can remember being little and it actually snowing. We could play outside These were something we would look forward to, we would build snow forts, we would have snowball fights, we would only come in just so we could regain feeling in our toes, and then off outside we went. Now, if we get a snow day today, and it happens to take out the Wi-Fi, we're sending flares up into the into the sky looking for help, right? Someone help. We don't know what to do. The Wi-Fi's out, right? It is what it is. Now, we can't even imagine living without something that didn't even exist, I don't know, a few decades ago. We can't even imagine living without that. I know last week um, I could tell that the pace of life was kind of catching up to me. And I told Tyra, I said, you know what, I think I need, to, I need to go to the Tent of Meeting, which is insider talk if you're a part of your place church and you're familiar with some of the Old Testament scriptures. The Tent of Meeting in the Old Testament was where the presence of the Lord lived. And uh, we, we have a talk or a kind of a saying around here. We'll talk to each other. Hey, I think I'm going to the Tent of Meeting this week, which simply means we're going to go and we're going to take a few days in silence and solitude, and just hang out in the presence of the Lord. And I knew, for me, that that would probably include moments, not the whole thing, but moments of boredom. And you're like, you would be bored in the presence of the Lord? Hey, it takes even the pastor a second to get his mind focused on the presence of God. But I did make a decision that I'm not getting on social media. I'm not going to just mindlessly peruse the Internet. I'm going to keep, as the Scripture says, I'm going to keep my mind stayed on the Lord. Well, What does that mean? That means all day long, my whole purpose of today is just to be in the presence of God. And a lot of people think that when you go into the presence of God, it is just nothing but just one-on-one encounters. You've got your journal out. The Lord is saying just sentence after sentence after sentence. And after 12 hours and four pens and two journals, you can finally set that all down and go, wow, thanks, God. When in reality, it's moments of quiet. It's moments of silence. And if you're not careful, it'll be moments of boredom but there's actually something that's spiritually cleansing in those moments and I can remember last Wednesday as I was at the tent of meaning having this temptation to just jump on because again that temptations there because you have the whole world in the palm of your hand, and even though um, the place where I went doesn't have Wi-Fi it's still like I have like I can get access right I in Intentionally did not peruse the internet. I just hung out in the presence of God and it was refreshing. And a lot of times you won't even realize the weight that comes off or the spiritual cleansing that happens until you leave that moment and re-enter into society. The Bible says to keep our minds stayed on the Lord. Why does this matter? Because in this new This new addiction of technology has a tendency, if we're not careful, to rob us of being present. That's what my hair professional was saying. She was present with her family. She was present with her husband. She was present with the Lord. It has a tendency to rob us of, of our ability to be present with ourselves. And more than anything, it's robbing us of the ability to be present in the presence of God. And there's no doubt that if we let it, it will rob us of our focus. And it'll taint our soul. And I can't help but think about the warnings of Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26... What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world or access to the whole world yet forfeit their soul, he says. Or, or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? It's more than just being over busy in a rush, living with an own, you know, a low grade of anxiety, all of it. It's more than all of that. It's, it's our spirit spiritual life it's our focus and I think if we're gonna be honest some of us in the room not only do we feel physically distant from each other but we feel spiritually distant from our Heavenly Father who we were created for and again whether you're off or working doubles the pace whether it's full-on or just really nothing really going on. If we're not intentional, the pace will create a distance between us and our Heavenly Father. It's funny, you would think that kids would be the ones that we have to tell to get off their phone or their mobile devices, right? Most of the students that we talk to, it's their parents. It's their parents. We're, we're having conversations with young people. And they're like, my, my mom and my dad, they're just always on their phone. They're just always on their phone. They're always on their phone. And uh, we know that to be true. I mean, there's been times. I've got a, I've got a grandson now. And I've got, I've got two more grandchildren on the way. Come on, November. I go from one to three, just like that. It's funny how it happens. But anyway, um, my grandson, who is uh, he's, he's a little older than one now. I, I don't know what the month range, what month are we on His dad doesn't even know what month he's on. He's just, we had a birthday, all right? So anyway, so he's young, he's walking, and you can be holding him, right? And he'll want your attention, and you could be on your phone, or maybe you're even watching TV or something like that. And he'll do this thing where he's looking at you, and if you're not looking at him in his eyes, he'll go, Like he wants eye contact with you, okay? You could be sitting on the couch and he's walking around playing, doing whatever, and you're watching. He'll walk right up to you and he'll look at you and he'll just, you know, he, he wants to be in your line of sight. He wants eye contact. He wants you to be present in his life. That's what he wants. And I think, the only hope we have, friends, is Jesus and the ability he gave us to change. The ability he gave us to change. And I want to look at a story in the Old Testament where life as they knew it changed on them also. You want to talk about quarantine. You want to talk about shelter in place and craziness. Their life changed. And I want you, as we go through this story, to see the implications that it tried to make on the characters of the story. Now, I say characters like it's fiction. This happens. This is a part of recorded history. It's in Daniel chapter 1. It's the story of Daniel, his three friends. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of the court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, these were all well-educated young men who were brought into, so they were in captivity, they, they put them, they, they ta- attacked a, a community, brought them all in the captivity and they're, they're bringing these young, well-educated men into, uh, we'll call it an internship, right? Verse 4, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude of every kind of learning well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. So basically a bunch of guys that look like handsome rich, right? So that's what, that's what's, that's what they're, they're recruiting into this place. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. Verse 5, the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's Service. And over the next few passages, we see where Daniel and his three friends were picked to be a part of the king's internship program. And we see that they actually changed the names of all of the boys into the names of Babylonian gods. They were making them learn their language, their history, and they were trying to get them to forget their God getting them to forget their history, their practice, their rituals, if you will, making them learn the language and the history. And they were to do this for three years before they could even get picked to be a part of the king's crew here. They were trying to, if we're going to be honest, brainwash them of their past, forget your God, which is why they gave them the names of their gods, forget your way of life, your home, your family, your lingo. And it's the same tactic that the enemy is using today to get you to get us misplaced, to give us different names like quarantine, laid off, um, lazy, fearful, judgmental, casual. He tries to misplace us out of the rhythms of our lives. You know what, the rhythm of church every single week, day, or day in, day out, whatever you want to call it, you get out of that rhythm, we'll close the church. Number one, the church was never closed because the church is not a building, it's a, it's a body of believers. Can I have an amen? Number two, uh, this all became more of an indicator of our personal devotion to Jesus, more than it became anything about meeting in a building. I think over the last few weeks, we've found out some things about ourselves. Am I really devoted to him? Or do I need this to make it happen? Does that make sense, friends? Yes. Media tries to change our lingo. I mean social distancing is a buzzword, PPE, stimulus. These are all words that are very familiar. I saw a meme uh, <laughs> saw a meme uh, the other day that said something along the lines of, I, I want to go back to, you know, like two months ago when I didn't know my governor's name. Because, you know, we're like, Governor Stitt, Governor Stitt, Governor Stitt. Now, that's, that's offensive to our governor. I apologize. But anyway, that's the point. We were like, we were waiting for his, you know, declarations. They can try to change everything on the outside. But only we can change What's happening on the inside of us? I'm gonna say that again. Everybody else can try to change what's happening on the outside in the world we live in, but only we can change what's happening on the inside. Even though our careers change, locations change, practices change, the important is the, the important thing is not to let what we believe be compromised. Verse 8, but Daniel, look at this word, resolved. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Have you ever known somebody that once they begin working in a certain place or hanging out with a group of people, all of a sudden they're character or morals begin to assume the character and morals of that community that they're hanging out with, it's the same thing. Isolation will also do that to you. Isolation will. I mean, come on, if you've invested stock in Netflix and Amazon Prime, like stocks are up. I mean, views of online content are through the roof. Daniel didn't want to lose who he was through all of this this is who i am this is who god created me to be even though it was a new normal even though the rhythms of his life were off his personal his personal dedication to god was trying to be challenged verse nine now god had caused the official to show favor and compassion to daniel But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has assigned you your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? See, the assumption was, this is what everyone else is doing. See, this is what everyone else is doing. You've got to do this. If you don't do this, you're going to look different than everyone else. You're not going to fall into the mold. You're not going to do what everyone else is doing, and they're going to notice somebody's going to notice verse 11 daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over daniel hananiah mishael and azariah hey test us no please test us he said test your servants for 10 days give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. In other words, hey, I feel like this is something that we need to do because of our personal convictions, but you watch. You watch how our life is different than everyone else's. So he agreed to this, and he tested them for 10 days. Look at verse 15. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To those four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. And at the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The the king talked with them. Look at this. He found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, look at this, he found those guys 10 times better. The scripture's word, not mine. 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom because of a personal devotion they had. I really think there's three things that we as a community of believers can get from this story. Number one, there is power in a decision. There is power in a decision. You make a decision. No one can make a decision for you. People can try to influence your decision, but only you can actually make a decision to change, to do something, to be someone. Make a decision. Daniel and his friends decided that they're not going to compromise their beliefs or defile themselves. They decided they're not gonna do this. It wasn't just a passing thought, it was a deep resolve that they weren't going to change, that they were gonna continue to be these people. One of the biggest freedoms that we have is the freedom to decide, and no one can take that away from us. They will try, but you have the freedom to decide. Well, what are we looking for? I think for some of us, We are deciding that, you know what? I'm deciding that I'm gonna continue my personal growth in my Lord, in my Lord Jesus Christ and in His Word, in my relationship with God. For some of you, that decision is, is what takes you over the edge. I'm deciding to be this person. For some of us, we may decide to lose weight. We may decide that it's not gonna be chaotic in my house anymore. I'm deciding to be a better husband or a better wife. I'm deciding to be a better parent. I'm deciding that I want to have friends this year. I want to have meaningful relationships this year. There is something in that power to decide that moves you. It moves you. I love what John Maxwell said in his book, Today Matters. He says, the decision part, that's the hardest part. When you actually make the decision, I'm doing this, then... All we have to do is maintain that decision every day. You make the decision once, then you just maintain the decision every single day. If it's exercise, you maintain that decision tomorrow morning when the alarm goes off at 5.30. You've already decided you're going to work out. You've already decided you're going to get up or you're going to get up and spend time in the presence of God. When that alarm goes off, Now you're just maintaining the decision you already made. Does that make sense, friends? That's what we're talking about. If it's your marriage, you make a decision once, and then you maintain that decision every day of your life. For Tyra and I, we decided we were never going to be. We knew we wanted to have a, a marriage that we wanted to be in love with each other for all of our marriage. I actually had people tell me when I was thinking about getting married, oh, you'll be in love In the beginning, but that'll fade away. That'll fade away. Oh, you'll love them, but you won't necessarily have those feelings, those ooey-gooey feelings. And I can remember thinking, well, if I don't have those ooey-gooey feelings, why do I want to do that? Right? So we decided we're going to figure out a way to always have those ooey-gooey feelings. So we said that we're never going to just hang up on each other. We're in an argument or whatever over the phone. Something happened. Someone did something. Whatever. I'm never going to be like, fine, hang up. Because the first time you do that, the second time gets easier. We decided I was never going to slam a door, kick stuff, and flip tables. And neither is she, right? (laughs) She's not going to do that stuff either. It's like, you can't do it, but I can, right? No, no, we just decided we're just not going to be those people. We're not going to yell and scream at each other. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have very... Intense conversations at times We also decided we would never leave In the midst of that I'm never going to walk out I'm never just going to leave We're going to sit in it until we figure it out We decided that we wanted to have one of those marriages That people, people would know us For our relationship with each other Oh I think he's a pastor They have a great marriage You know what I mean? We decided a little over a year, or about a year ago, to do the uh, marriage journal together. We decided once that we were going to do it. That we maintain that decision every Monday morning. Every Monday morning, and it's a part of my schedule. It's in my, it's in my rhythm of my life. We just do the marriage journal together. And we're constantly working on this. It was a decision that we made once that we maintain every single week of our lives. The discipline is in the maintaining of the decision. Does that make sense? When you go to a restaurant and you've made a decision to cut some stuff out in your lives, right? You go to the restaurant, it's got your favorite dessert, maintain that decision. So here's my question What areas have you allowed yourself to be distracted? That you need to change. Make the decision today. Then maintain that decision daily. Number two. Get accountable in your decisions. Get accountable with someone. You can't do this alone. Daniel's decision to change the rules wasn't without consequences. First, he like the official over him could lose his life over this whole thing. So he was accountable to the guy that was over him, but he was also accountable to the guys that were with him. Tyra and I decided to stop eating sugar, like not last January, January before last. We're just done with sugar. Trust me. We want to have sugar. It's not like, oh, that's awesome. You must not like sugar. No, 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 no. We enjoy sugar. But I could not and would not have done it had her, had she not been in my world going, are you sure you want to get that? <laughs> And me doing the same thing to her. Are you sure we're going to eat that? Is, that? is that what we're doing? The fact that we were accountable to each other, she now needs a new wardrobe. Just from cutting sugar, like not even being crazy, exercise, you know, whatever chick, just cutting sugar did that. That's the power of accountability. Life change is always easier if you experience it with someone. What areas do you need to change in and who can you become accountable to? I mean, find some areas. Spiritual growth. Get in a Bible plan with someone. You version has the ability where you can do that for each other, sends you both reminders. Join a life group. Our summer life group sessions are starting up next month. If it's in the area of health and exercise, you know, the the joke is freshman 15, right? What about the Corona 20, right? It's like, come on, let's get into some kind of an exercise program together. If it's financial, maybe you need some help. There are people at Your Place Church that can help you with your finances, friends. And I'm not talking about giving you money. I'm trying to tell you how you can stop spending it on useless stuff. And a lot of people, they they don't want to come to us and ask us about creating a budget because they don't want us to know their spending habits. They're afraid that we're going to judge them. Listen, friends, we have tried to create an environment at Your Place Church which is one of the least judgmental worship environments you'll be a part of because we realize there are people at every walk of the spectrum, every walk of humanity. There's people coming in who don't even know if they believe in God, and there's people who's been saved for 40 years years worshiping in here and we know that now we can't cut all judgment because there are people who are still judgmental people coming in and we got to help them are you with me we got to help them so as as far as it pertains to us we want to help you in those areas if you have a secret addiction get accountable get that stuff into the light Right now, if it's a secret, you have power to bring it into the light. If you wait, it'll come into the light in a time that's not very convenient for you. Amen? Create systems that work. Recognize what your temptations are, your triggers. Come up with some consequences. Again, get in a life group. The last thing that we see here in this story, and then I'm going to let you go. Daniel knew that change was necessary. He made the decision to change got accountable with his buddies on the whole thing the last thing that we see what's the benefits of, of making a decision and maintaining that decision he got results he got results verse 17 to these four young men God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning and Daniel could understand visions in dreams of all kinds, amen, like it worked for him, because he made a decision, and then he maintained that decision, he got accountable, and God was faithful, we'll keep reading, at the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar, the king talked with them, he found none equal, None equal to them. Why? Because the power to make a decision and to live that decision out. He got in the presence of God, kept, stayed in the presence of God. Verse 20 said, In the matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them to ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. My last point is simply this. Consistent change no matter how big or how small, will always bring results. I think it's Albert Einstein that said the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over again and expecting different results. Right? If you keep doing what you've always done, you'll keep getting what you've always got. Daniel and his friends made a decision and the results were obvious. Friends, what if we're too distracted? What if we're too distracted? Listen, technology is awesome, it's great, it's a tool, or it's distracting you. And that's just it. You're distracted by it. You're focused, but then all of a sudden, it's just like it steals your attention. And you think, I'm just gonna let it steal my attention for a little bit, but then next thing you know, you look up and it's been an hour, a half a day, week, month and a half. Friends, what have we learned? Don't get distracted. Refocus. Refocus. There's no guilt. There's no shame. It's been what it is. Refocus. Refocus. And listen, online, if online, if this is working for you, like you feel yourself just as focused as you've always been... Like even before this thing started, when you were here, we were going through our book of James series, and you walked out of here with the awareness of God's presence and how much you're growing. If you still feel that, online's working for you. If you don't, you might should be here next week. You might might need to be back in the building, because there's something that's happening in this room that you can feel. Amen? You can feel it. Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. that the entrance of your word brings light and it brings understanding. And, Father, as we've navigated through your scriptures today, Father God, you've taught us that there is power in a decision. But the real power comes when we maintain that decision. Father, whether it's to get in a Bible plan or, or get in a life group or even to diet or exercise, or get our finances together, whatever whatever it is, there's power in that decision, but we see the fruit of that decision over time. So Father, I pray that you're speaking to us by your Spirit. For some of us in the room, heads are bowed and eyes are closed, the first decision that you need to make is to invite Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. If you can't remember a time when you did that, we just want to, we want to help you in that. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. Saved from what? Saved from hell. But saved to an incredible life. So whether you're in person or watching online, if you've never invited Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, I just want to say a real quick prayer with you, not for you, with you. I would invite you to say this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Right now, Jesus, I invite you to come into my life to make me a brand new person. I'm choosing today to spend the rest of my life in a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. You have been listening to a YPC podcast. Visit our website at ypcprior.com to hear more.